Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Blitzcast. And we've got a guest on the line. His name is Larnell Coleman. He's a UMass offensive tackle and NFL Draft prospect. Larnell, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Glad to be here. How's uh, your training at Landau Performance in Denver, Colorado? How is Colorado treating you? Colorado has been phenomenal. You know, uh, when I first got off the plane, it was definitely a different scenery because I am from the Boston area. So, but I've definitely been enjoying my time out here. Uh, a lot of good places to eat and, you know, explore. So I have been jo- enjoying just, you know, the uh, scenery and whatnot. Uh, as for training, uh, Landau has done a phenomenal job with me, um, just, you know, from my 40 start and, you know, all the drills and, you know, the specific uh, position work that I've been receiving has been, you know, off off the charts. So, you know, I'm really happy that I'm out here training. What improvements have you made so far? What are the biggest improvements that you have made during your training? I think the biggest improvement for me has uh, definitely been – my 40 start going in, I didn't have a lot of training on it. So um, it definitely has helped me to shave down time on my 40. So I think that was probably by far the biggest improvement I've made uh, since training out here. So you had a chance to get out there in the all-star circuit. You went to the college gridiron showcase game, which is in Frisco, Texas. What is the biggest thing that you took away from that all-star event? The CGS um, is an amazing experience, and I think the biggest thing I took away from it was just when you do get into the NFL, not to, one, spend your money everywhere, and two, just make sure you're smart with everything because money does go very fast. Um, You know, you want to make sure you put yourself in a position to make sure you have money in the long term um, and whatnot. So I think that was the biggest thing that I took from it. At CGS, you checked in with, like, 36-inch arms, Larnell. You're like Hercules out there, even for an offensive lineman. What are your measurements right now, man? Height and your weight, where are you at right now? Um, So right now I'm at 308 for uh, my weight, and my height is 6'6 and some change. Have you always been the biggest guy in the room? <laughs> Um, you know, usually, yeah, uh, it's very, it's very rare to have someone bigger than me, uh, in the room. And, you know, when there is, you know, it's definitely cool to start up some conversation with them. Tell us about your basketball background in high school and how that helps you in the gridiron. Um, so yeah, so my basketball uh, background, basketball is my first love. Uh, you know, it was my first sport. What is it? Football came around my seventh grade year. And, you know, I felt like a lot of the skills, especially, like, defensively, has helped me move at a higher level. And, it's you know, I can easily translate, you know, my skills from the hardwood to uh, the field. So I think, especially playing uh, tackle, you know, there's a lot of similarities to, uh, you know, being a defender on a, uh, in basketball and playing uh, off of the tackle. What made you stay close to home and play college football at UMass? I actually didn't have any other offer besides UMass coming out of high school. My high school was very small. It was the smallest in the state at the time. So uh, my, my graduating class was like 
I think probably like 30 people at the most. And UMass, you know, they just, you know, had unbelievable faith in me. They seen what, you know, I could uh, potentially be and whatnot, and they took a chance on me. And I was like, you know, I'm going to give them uh, uh, all to this school and whatnot. So, you know, they really gave me a chance. And I think, you know, I overachieved what a lot of people thought I was going to do. So UMass definitely has helped me uh, achieve a lot. Larnell, when you look back on your career at UMass, what is your biggest accomplishment that you will cherish for the rest of your life? I think, honestly, just graduating uh, college, you know, like coming out of high school, I didn't even think I was going to go to college. I actually thought I was going to go into the military. But, uh, like I said, when UMass gave me the chance, you know, I just balled out there and, you know, took advantage of the education and whatnot. And, you know, now I'm graduated, which is, you know, a really uh, amazing feeling because, you know, it, you know, starting from all the way when you're a kid and to where I'm at now, you know, it's just an amazing feat. So I definitely think that was one of my proudest moments. Did you plan on playing football at one of the service academies, like Army or somewhere else? Um, honestly, no. I just I was just gonna go straight into the military, and, you know, see what see what uh, see what that brings me. I didn't even think football was going to be such a big uh, part of my life the way uh, it has been. How important was it for you to win the left tackle job in 2019? It was really important to me. I actually started my. Uh, I started 2018 at right tackle, but winning that job just showed me that the team and the coaching staff had trusted me as a player and trusted me to, you know, protect the quarterback's blind side and whatnot. And for me, it just was unbelievable to know that I had all my trust from my teammates and whatnot. So it was definitely a great feeling. When you look back at your college career, who was your toughest matchup? Like, which player stood out to you when you went up against him? Um, I have two. Zach Allen, who's a DN at BC. Uh, Zach Allen, just a really big body. Uh, was probably one of the first, like, real uh, big DNs I played against. And, you know, it was definitely a challenge for me at the time. And Alex Highsmith, you know, is an unbelievable player. He has a great work ethic. He was just – his speed off the ball was phenomenal, and, you know, just his technique was very, very good. So, I have to say those are my – the two best players I've gone against, in my opinion. What positions are you capable of playing on the offensive line? I've only played tackle in college, but um, being up here, and I've, you know, started taking – and practicing a lot of guard reps and even started snapping a little bit. Uh, just with a little bit of time and whatnot, I can, you know, I can play just about everything. What do you think is the biggest difference between tackle and offensive guard? Um, I think that a lot of the action at guard happens very quickly, and you just got to make sure that, you know, you're always prepared for the bull rush because most of tackles, that's their primary uh, move. Um, at tackle, you know, you get more of those finesse guys who, you know, like to run around and, you know, show off their, like, you know, their skills and whatnot. Um, so I'd say those are the two biggest things um, from those positions. Since you played right tackle and left tackle in college, what is the main difference between the two? Honestly, I personally haven't felt it was too big of a difference. Obviously, everything is opposite, but I've been pretty good at, you know, being able to play both sides and whatnot, and it hasn't been too big of a difference. 
Is there an offensive lineman that you watch tape on and model your game after? Most definitely. Um, I have two right now, uh, Trent Williams and David Bakhtiari. Those are my two favorite uh, offensive tackles, and I really try to model my game after them. Uh, Trent Williams, he's a dog on the field. It's definitely something I try to emulate, and David Bakhtiari, you can see the pure athleticism. Um, that he plays with, and he's very good at what he does. So, you know, I really try to emulate those things. Bakhtiari, another Colorado guy. There's another connection there. (laughs) Yeah. What's the biggest key to being an offensive lineman? The biggest key, in my opinion, is – it's actually two for me. One is film study and two, patience. I feel a lot of the time that – if you can get a jump on your opponent in the film room and you can learn his habits, what he likes to do, it makes your job so much easier because you already – it's like you already know the answer to the test. And number two, just patience and not – don't pretty much not doing anything that you don't have to do. Being patient, you know, a lot of the develop will make, will make you such more – make you a more efficient offensive lineman, in my opinion. So those are my two things. All right, we've been asking you a lot of questions about you being a football player, on-the-field questions. I'd like to get to know you a little bit off the field. Can you give us a couple of interesting facts about yourself that not too many people know about you? I would have to say I like dancing, which, you know, I don't think a lot of people would uh, assume just because of my size. So I would say definitely dancing. Um, I'm big into video games, you know, uh, big Call of Duty guy. That's really about it. Just regular dancing? Or are we talking about like break dancing for a 300 pound <laughs> offensive lineman? Um, I, I don't know. I kind of do just a little bit of everything. So, you know, a lot, of, a lot of my friends know, you know, in the weight room, I'll just start dancing just to dance. You know, I'll start jamming to the music. Or even during practice, you know, I hear a song I like, you know, I'll just start hitting a couple moves. So. Have some of those videos been leaked to Twitter by your coaches or your <laughs> teammates? Uh, I think I've been fortunate enough not to get anything leaked. <laughs> but, you know, who knows, who knows at the next level? <laughs> All right, man, you be careful. You're going to endear yourself to your future teammates when they see an offensive lineman dance. <laughs> Most definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, Larnell, good luck with your pro day, and uh, thank you for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Dak Prescott just signed a huge deal with the Dallas Cowboys. It's a four-year deal for $160 million. He's getting $40 million a year. This is the type of deal that he was seeking before the Cowboys weren't willing to do it. He got exactly what he wanted, Ed. I mean, he got injured, he bet on himself, but the Cowboys still gave him the contract that he wanted. And it's only for four years, and I think... You know, Dak is a big winner. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the four-year contract is a bit of a win for Dak Prescott just because of the way the NFL set up. I mean, in, in you know, in baseball, if you get seven years, it's like it's seven years guaranteed. But, you know, there is guaranteed money. But, I mean, they can cut you at any time in football. And so, I mean, the four-year contract, I mean, that gives him an opportunity at 31 to uh, sign another bigger deal. Again, he bet on himself. It looked like it was going to be a win situation for him, but then he got injured after he was having possibly his his greatest season ever. But here he is, once again, like you mentioned, at 31, he's going to get another chance to 
to go for another big deal, and he's going to strike gold once again if he stays healthy. Do the Cowboys have a chance in this division if they fix their defense through the draft? Well, I mean, this division's wide open. I I actually have said this before, and I'll say it again. I think this is this is leaning towards being um, the Washington football team's uh, division and a year or two they're going to have a new team name and I think they're going to be very good. They're very good on the defensive line and the offensive line which is I think a big bonus and I think if they can really just get that quarterback in place I think they can be a really effective team. That's a huge question mark right now because in this division you've got Dak Prescott so the Dallas Cowboys have the best quarterback. We don't know about Jalen Hurts yet The Eagles still want to find out if he's going to be their franchise guy, but they're betting on him since they traded Carson Wentz. And then, obviously, the Giants, also a little bit of a question mark with Daniel Jones. He hasn't developed the way they had hoped from a sixth overall pick. Washington right now doesn't have the quarterback. Even though they got into the playoffs, they just released Alex Smith. I don't know, at 19, they're not going to get those quarterbacks, those five quarterbacks. I don't see them getting Trey Lance. I don't see them getting Mac Jones. I think they're going to have to package something to, in order to move up if they want to get one of those quarterbacks. I mean, I, th- I think there will be options. I think where, from where they're picking, I think they do have a shot at Mac Jones. That's probably their best option at this point. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see if that's who they if that's the direction they want to go. I, I mean, it's a great story, Alex Smith, and I, I well deserve to be comeback player of the year. But I don't think that's the long term option for them either. So yeah, I mean, they they might have to do something. I mean, if they want to if they want to get their guy. I mean, if they like Justin Fields or Trey Lance, um, they might have to trade up. Well, we'll see what happens with Cam Newton. Obviously, there's a connection there with Ron Rivera and Cam Newton going back to the Carolina Panthers days. Ron Rivera didn't pull the trigger last year, but he might do it this year just to bring him in. And it doesn't stop them from drafting a quarterback in the first round and have the best guy, have Cam Newton and the first-round quarterback battle it out in training camp and see who the best guy is. A lot of teams are using the franchise tag right now and we're seeing a lot of players get cut but there is a trade that happened recently where the Las Vegas Raiders decided to package Trent Brown back to the New England Patriots and they sent a seventh round pick in the 2022 NFL draft and they got a fifth round pick back from the Patriots what do you think of this deal right here Trent Brown had his best season as a left tackle for the Patriots in 2018 before he signed that mega deal with the Raiders. Do you like the move for the Patriots? Well, I mean, there's a big question in the room for me, and it's that, I mean, they really have the bookends. Do they? I think Isaiah Wynn has been effective for the Patriots, and I think Marcus Cannon is coming back, so I don't really understand why you you need to trade for Trent Brown. I mean, especially, I mean, yeah, they didn't give up a lot for him, but, I mean, you're taking on a heavy contract. It's only a one-year deal. It's for $11 million. You know that Bill Belichick is probably not going to extend him, that it's probably a short rental for one season. You know, Isaiah Wynn has been a fine player, but I wouldn't say that he's been a great left tackle. And his biggest problem has been staying healthy throughout his career. That's something that he has struggled to do. 
And this is the signal that Trent Brown is going to be the left tackle for the Patriots and I think Isaiah Wynn is going to slide to left guard where I think he should have played all along. When the Patriots drafted him in the first round, I just thought Wynn's build, frame, kind of signaled to me that he should have played guard. So I think it's Brown at left tackle, Isaiah Wynn at left guard. I'm not sure about Marcus Cannon, though, because he opted out of the season. He's coming back. It looks like the Patriots, what I've been reading, is might make him a cap casualty out there because Michael Onweno was a great pickup for the Patriots. He was sixth-round rookie guard center that played right tackle and excelled at it. And then they have Shaq Mason at right guard, and the only question mark they have is David Andrews, who is who's a free agent, and I don't think he's coming back. And Joe Tony is also not going to come back because the Patriots aren't going to give him the big contract. He's been one of the best guards in the league. Like you mentioned with the Washington team, you know they have a good defensive line, they have a good offensive line. This game is one in the trenches. Bill Belichick knows this. And that's the reason why he addressed it. He obviously feels a lot more comfortable with having Trent Brown at left tackle. So I praise this move because it doesn't matter who the quarterback for the Patriots is going to be. You have to keep them upright. And if you have really good five guys out there and you can have Marcus Cannon as a swing guy, even if you don't cut him, you know, injuries happen all the time on the offensive line. So I actually praise this move. But the Raiders, I mean, the Raiders, Mike Mayock was handing out big contracts in his first year. And it seems like a few of his guys, well, LaMarcus Joyner, Trent Brown, they didn't work out the way that I think this organization was expecting. I, I would agree with that. I I kind of question the Trent Brown move overall in the beginning. I mean, I, I think he's kind of an overrated player. I mean, he had one great year with the Patriots, but, um, you know, he didn't really do much for uh, the Raiders. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the Raiders have made some questionable moves. I mean, a lot of their first-round draft picks kind of scratched my head. In a really good wide receiver class, they went with Henry Ruggs first. And, yeah, I mean, they they, they have some talent, and they're starting to build themselves up, but... You know, they've had the draft picks, and I, I don't know why they haven't really, you know, been more aggressive and gotten the right guys. Well, it just goes to show you, you can have all the draft picks in the world, but if you don't hit on those early picks, whether it's in the first round or on day two, you're going to be in trouble. You still need to draft well. So that's kind of a, a sign out there and a warning for teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets. We have multiple picks in the first round. Use them well. Do your homework, especially in this draft when you didn't have those visits to schools. You don't have the scouting combine. You don't have as much information about these prospects. So this draft is going to be a little bit different because you're not going to know these prospects inside and out who they are as people. You've seen the film. Everybody sees the film. But you got to be comfortable with him, whether these guys are, are willing to work hard off the field, whether they're leaders, how much they love football. Those questions matter, and that's what separates the good players from the great ones. Every week we've been profiling a position in the 2021 NFL Draft, and we've come to that point where we're going to be talking about the big uglies, the offensive line. Ed is going to reveal his top five for offensive tackles, offensive guards, and centers. Let's mix it up a little bit. Let's start with the centers in this draft, and 
please reveal to our listeners who your top five guys are at that position. Okay, well, I'll start with uh, number five. This isn't like a, a guy I'm really high on or anything like that. I'm, I'm much higher on, you know, a lot of my other top five. But it's uh, Michael Manet, um, center from Penn State. Um, he's a redshirt senior. He's 6'4", 306 pounds. Um, senior bowl invitee. You know, he was all Big Ten, our honorable mention in 2019. He's a four-star recruit out of high school. I think he needs to punch better in the run game, but he's a decent run blocker. More of a zone blocking scheme run blocker. I think he's average pass blocker, and he's average at sustaining blocks. Um, maybe a guy that I would maybe draft to be a backup or kind of a depth guy. Number four, I got Josh Myers, uh, center from Ohio State. I'm higher on this guy. Uh, he's a redshirt junior. He's 6'5", 312 pounds. Um, he earned a starting job as a sophomore. He's third team all Big Ten in 2019. Four-star recruit out of high school. He's got he's a good power scheme run blocker. He sustains blocks well in the run game. Uh, he can zone block well. He's definitely more of a gap scheme guy. Um, good pass blocker, and he can sustain blocks well in the pass game. So Josh Myers is my number four. I agree with that. I mean, he's got the size, he's got the strength to hold up at the point of attack. The only thing is, still need to get out there to the second level, and that's something that he struggles with. I just don't see, uh, like, a big-time athlete at the position. And I guess I'm being picky because, I guess for centers, I just want my guys to be more nimble. I want my guys to be able to move, pull, trap, get out to the second level. Not everybody's going to do it, obviously. He is a bigger guy. He's still a top four, top five center for me. I just, all about schematics there. I mean, you only have to put him in a power scheme. You're just not going to give you that flexibility. So number three, got Jimmy Morrissey, center from the University of Pittsburgh. Um, he's a senior, 6'3", 305 pounds. Uh, he won the center job as a redshirt freshman. He was a walk-on for the Pitt Panthers. Um, you know, kind of a mid-5'2 speed guy. Average power as a pass blocker, but he's a very good pass blocker. Um, good awareness to pick up the pass rushers, decent run blocker, and he's a high-effort blocker, which I like. You know, there's one word I like to use with the player like Jimmy Morrissey. He is a technician. He's got good hand placement. He's a terrific knee bender. He plays to the whistle, plays with very good leverage, and he's quick. This is a guy that went from a walk-on to a four-year starter. Really good at getting out to the second level and uh, used as kind of a pulling center. He wears down his opponents. I mean, this guy gives it his all. Yeah, I love this. I'm a fan of Jimmy Morrissey. You know, you're usually a guy that, that loves these Pitt Panthers. I like some guys uh, on the offensive line for Pitt this year, and Jimmy Morrissey is one of those guys, one of those underrated guys for me, just in general, on the offensive line. So number two, I got Landon Dickerson, uh, center from Alabama. He's 6'6", 325 pounds, senior. Um, he was injured for the college football playoffs in 2020. Um, it was in the injury in the SEC championship. Um, transfer from Florida State. He has an extensive injury history, which is probably my biggest knock on him. Uh, he also needs to sustain blocks longer. He does have a good punch in the open field. He's a good run blocker. Um, probably more suited for his zone scheme. Decent pass blocker. Great awareness to pick up multiple pass rushers. You know, able to sort of, you know, punch and, you know, get get back into a run blocking form and take on another pass rusher, which I'd like to see. Landon Dickerson's my number two. A lot of people love Dickerson. They, they really do. But there's a huge red flag here, the injuries. 
I mean, he had those injuries during his Florida State career before he transferred to Alabama. And even though he stayed healthy as a junior, once again, he suffered that injury during his senior year. I agree with you. He's a much better run blocker than pass blocker. Uh, he really excels as a run blocker. He struggles to sustain those blocks in the pass game. But the injuries, man, I mean, that really is going to knock him down for me. I just don't think he's going to hold up in the NFL. I mean, if you draft a guy on day two, I mean, you expect them to be on the football field. And a lot of people were actually talking him up as, as a late first-round pick. I didn't see it, but the injuries really knock him down for me. And that's why I think he's one of the more overrated players that, as a result of this. So, number one, I got Creed Humphrey, uh, center from the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, redshirt junior, um, 6'5", 320 pounds. Um, he's a smart player who's liked by his teammates. Um, started as a redshirt freshman. First team All-Big 12 in 2019. He's an aggressive blocker willing to lay the lumber. I like how he punches when he's unoccupied in the pass game. Has the strength to really angle block uh, guys in the run game. He can gap scheme run block. Moves well first center. Good feet as a pass blocker. So he's the first round center for me. Yeah, the only thing is the, the arm length. Um, you, you want that arm length to be at least 32 inches. He falls a little bit below that. But everything else, checks check the boxes on, on Creed Humphrey everywhere else. He's just been uh, a dominant player the past couple of years. He dominated the Senior Bowl from what I saw in those one-on-one matchups and the pit drill. He is a former wrestler, and I just I love that wrestling background when you're an offensive lineman because that tells me you know how to use your hands and you know how to control your opponent. You understand leverage because in wrestling, that, that's what it's all about, those kind of sudden moves. And he really, once he locks on, it's over. And he's got really strong hands and uh, shows it at the point of attack. I mean, you're not going to knock him off his base. He drops his anchor and he holds his ground in, in pass protection. And I'm also a big fan of Creed Humphrey. You know, Rocky used to, to fight, you know, Apollo Creed. And I'm curious whether Creed Humphrey got his name from from the big-time Rocky movie. All right, let's move on to offensive guards. Number five, I got Sedarius Hutchinson, offensive guard from the South Carolina Gamecocks. Um, he's a senior, 6'4", 320 pounds, was a left tackle in 2019 and 2020, um, but I think he fits best as an offensive guard. Good power as a lead blocker, um, left guard for the, you know, did play some left guard for the Gamecocks. Physical as a bass blocker, moves well in space in the screen game. Physical blocker when he engages, and physical blocker in the second level. So, Sedarius Hutchinson's my number five, and I like him a lot. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where he plays because he's played all over, and he was a left tackle for them, and obviously he's got those feet, um, but he projects best inside on the interior as, as an offensive guard. But when you have a guy that has the ability to play a few positions, certainly value those guys because they, they give you versatility. If, if a guy goes down, you can always plug him in and have him play another position. Again, you want offensive linemen, especially guys that go later on in the draft, like on day three, you want them to be able to, to play multiple positions, and that's what, that's what he excels in. 
Number four, I got Jackson Carmen, uh, offensive guard from Clemson. Um, uh, granted, he played left tackle for the Tigers, but he's a junior, 6'5", 335 pounds. Um, definitely a guard. Um, has lost some weight, probably could drop a little more. Has long arms, which really help him as a pass blocker. He's a decent punch. He has an ability to knock pass rushers up the yard. Capable of executing a zone and a gap blocking scheme. And he's a good run blocker. So Jackson Carmen, uh, offensive guard, uh, Clemson. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the reason he's a guard, I just want to say, is probably because his kick slide's not as good. I agree with that. I mean, he struggles in pass protection at times, especially against uh, guys that are quicker than him, guys that have that quick first step. I just don't think he has that balance. I mean, he's a good athlete. You know, obviously, he played left tackle, but I just don't think that that would be his position. But we've seen some bigger guys, right, play left tackle, like Orlando Brown. And we talked about Trent Brown as well. I mean, those guys were projected as offensive guards as well, and they stuck around to, on the outside. But I agree with you. I also have Carmen as an offensive guard. Number three, I got Trey Smith, offensive guard from the University of Tennessee. Um, he's a senior, 6'6", 330 pounds. His natural position is guard. Um, he had a blood clot issue, but he's been healthy for two years. He's played some left tackle, five-star recruit out of high school. He has some nasty to his game. Very good pass blocker from the interior. Great punch as a pass blocker. Can lead block in the run game. I think he needs better awareness as a pass blocker, but overall, I like this guy as my number three. Number two, um, and this is a guy who I actually would give a first-round grade on, uh, offensive guard from Notre Dame, senior, 6'5", 330 pounds, left guard for the Fighting Irish, it's uh, Aaron Banks. Good pass blocker from the interior, gets a very good push as a run blocker, good core strength to win matchups in the run game, good mobility for in space for his size, excelled against Alabama in the run, uh, Rose Bowl game, especially running the ball. You know, more of a gap scheme guy, but uh, could do well in zone blocking because of his technique. Um, so Aaron Banks is my number two. He's so strong and, and so big, and then you you start to, like, look at that Notre Dame team and you start to understand why they had success because they had, like, the best offensive line in all the land. I mean, with all due respect to some other teams out there, I can imagine, like, all five of those guys being drafted or at least, you know, making it and playing in the NFL for a very long time. And the center is the only one that, that's not coming out of the draft. Yeah, Banks improved so much from 2019 to 2020. Like, the the film is like night and day. You see improvements, and you saw that upside. And I don't think he's a finished product. And you got to love those Notre Dame offensive linemen that have come out in the draft. I mean, they've had a lot of success, and I think these guys coming out this year are going to continue that tradition. So number number one, I got Wyatt Davis, offensive guard from Ohio State. He's a redshirt junior, 6'4", 315 pounds, five-star recruit out of high school, second-team All-Big Ten in 2020, two-year starter for the Buckeyes. He played right guard. Absolute beast of a run blocker. Great technique and core strength as a run blocker. Excellent blocking in space. Um, I like his aggressiveness. Very good pass blocker from the interior. Um, maybe needs a bit better awareness when pulling, but this is this might be my best value pick in this draft. I, I really like Wyatt Davis from uh, Ohio State. Jeez, Ed, should we just put him in the hall? Yeah, of put, fame him, put him ready. Put him, put him with uh, Quentin Nelson, and uh, <laughs> you know, put him next to Quentin Nelson. <laughs> his dad is actually an actor. He played in a movie back in the day in the 1990s. I actually enjoyed this movie. It's called The Program. 
It's about a, a fictional college football team, and uh, his dad played one of the roles, and then they had Omar Epps, uh, who was this hot shot running back, and James Kahn was this, this coach. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting movie out there. I mean, yeah, Wyatt Davis, uh, kind of quiet on that front, but I could see him being a first-round pick because usually picking an offensive lineman in the first round seems like a safe bet. And, um, you know, getting some guys at the end of the first round, whether offensive guard or offensive tackle, it's what a lot of teams do. Let's go to the offensive tackles, those guys that protect the edge. Well, number five, I got Jalen Mayfield, um, offensive tackle from Michigan, probably a right tackle, um, junior, 6'5", 320 pounds. A little bit of a question about him signing with the agency that aided Harvey Weinstein. You know, got his fame from basically his matchup with Chase Young. Good pass blocker, decent hand fighter, good strength as a run blocker. Was a right tackle also for the Michigan Wolverines. I like his punch as a run blocker as well. One of those younger guys, right? He's only a redshirt sophomore. And he wasn't supposed to play this year when Big Ten opted out. And, you know, he signed with an agency, but then he came back and, and played. So, yeah, Michigan has also had a great track record with offensive linemen in the past years. And uh, we'll see if, if Mayfield can continue that trend. Number four, I've got Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle from Alabama. Yes, I, I, I recognize the knocks on him and how his draft stock is falling, but he's a senior, 6'6", 312 pounds, five-star recruit out of high school, first-team All-SEC in 2019, uh, left tackle for the Crimson Tide, which is a hard title to get. Very good run blocker, good run blocking technique, able to take the body to make the play, moves well as a blocker, um, good at footwork and anticipation as a pass blocker, does need to finish his run blocks, but this is the guy This is the guy who I, I, I still would take in the first round. Wow. Yeah. Really? Why? I mean, he, he, he does the job. I mean, he's a very good run blocker. Um, you know, does the, does the job pretty well as a pass blocker. I, 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 don't, I don't see why you wouldn't. I don't know. He gets beat quite a bit in pass protection, uh, in my opinion. And you mentioned, I mean, your scouting report basically says that he is mostly a run blocker. So a run blocker means you have to kick inside and be an offensive guard. You don't have to worry about quickness. You don't have to worry about those those pass rushers coming from the outside that are a lot more freakier, that are a lot more athletic. I don't see a player that can hold up even. We're not talking about even a left tackle. I don't see how you can hold up as a right tackle. Obviously, at the senior bowl, he told them that I'm only coming if I'm going to be able to play left tackle. So he's kind of got that chip on his shoulder. Everybody is telling him, hey, you're going to have to kick inside, my friend. He's saying, hey, no, no way I'm going to do that. I'm going to stay at left tackle. I think it's going to blow up in his face. And I think a team that's going to draft him is going to kick him inside. But we'll see. Obviously, it's just, like I said, it's, it's that preference. If you could be a really good offensive guard and just an average offensive tackle, I'd take a, a good offensive guard and, and move him inside. My own personal feeling. So number three, I got uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, offensive tackle, USC Trojans. Uh, he's a redshirt junior, 6'4", 315 pounds, four-star recruit out of high school, second-team All-Pac 10 in 2019. 
has played offensive guard and left tackle in 2020. Very good pass blocker. Quick to get his hands on you. Uh, maybe needs to be quicker to the edge. Moves decently well. Could target his run blocks better. Attacks as a pass blocker. I think he's earned the offensive tackle role in the NFL. I have him as a guard, and he's a top two guard for me. I think, yeah, I think there will be plenty of teams that will look at him as a tackle. I'm not sure as a left tackle. Most likely as a right tackle. But, yeah, he's played both. He's played guard. He's played left tackle. I just thought he looked better as a left guard when he played it in 2019. Don't move him. Leave him out there. You can be a dominant player. But, yeah, I like this guy from USC. So, number two, I got Liam Eichenberg, offensive tackle, Notre Dame, 6'6", 302. And has a reputation for not being able to handle speed rushers. You know, left tackle for the Fighting Irish, four-star recruit out of high school. I actually think he has good footwork to push rushers off the edge, good awareness in pass blocking, great pass blocker, good run blocker, good technician with blocking angles, uh, knows how to take on multiple pass rushers. I would say I'd draft him number two. People don't like Eichenberg. A lot of people, like, knock him down. Why? He's good in pass protection. He doesn't give up sacks. At times, he does have issues like holding people and drawing penalties. I don't think he's a left tackle at the next level. I think he's like a Mike McGlinchey. You put him on the right side, and he's going to start for you for the next 8 to 10 years. I'm a big Liam Eichenberg fan, and I know a lot of people on draft Twitter and the scouting community, they don't like him very much. I just I don't understand it. I see more holes in other offensive linemen that I do with him. He's he's a solid technician. Yeah, he doesn't have like huge arm length and he's not a guy that that packs a punch or or you know, he's not 350 pounds, but he gets in the weight room out there. He's going to get bigger. I'm sure he's already bigger in terms of his training. I just again, a Notre Dame guy that I think is is on the same level as in my opinion as Mike McGlinchey was when he came out a couple of years ago. My number one should be no surprise to anyone. It's Penai Sewell, offensive tackle from the Oregon Ducks. He's 6'6", 320, first-team All-Pac 12 in 2019. He's a junior. He's American Samoan. Great feet as a pass blocker to stop pass rushers in his tracks. Good as a run blocker. Um, could bring some more power in his run blocking, but left tackle for the Ducks, and he's a legitimate NFL left tackle. Well, he's not a finished product yet, but he's only 20 years old. So he's got a lot of upside. He was still the best Pac-12 offensive lineman in 2019 as a 19-year-old. It's almost unheard of. And so there's a lot to like out there. You know, there's one name that's missing from this list. And I listened very carefully. We went through the centers, the offensive guards, the tackles. And then there is one guy i got to ask you about because he is missing. And that's Northwestern offensive tackle, offensive guard, center, whatever you want to call him. Everybody has different positions that he can play. Rashawn Slater, you're down on he him. He is right? my probably my most overrated. Um, you know, I, I do understand he's position flexible, um, played right tackle for the Wildcats, probably a guard. Uh, misses assignments in pass blocking, gets out-muscled in pass coverage, uh, needs more power as a run blocker, needs better feet, needs to be more aggressive blocking space. Not big on Rashawn Slater. His dad actually played in the NBA, Reggie Slater, 
And you see that with Rashawn. Like, he is an athlete. He is quick and explosive off the snap. And he's a really good technician in terms of using his hands and, and the knee bend. I know there's a huge argument whether you could play left tackle, where do you play him. I don't see him as a tackle, but I can see a team putting him as a right tackle. I see him more as a guard, but PFF, I think, in 2019, he was their uh, best pass blocker from all the offensive linemen in 2019, and that says something. And you mentioned Mayfield kind of getting his fame off of the Chase Young game. But Slater shut down Chase Young when they went against each other. He's played right tackle. He's played left tackle. He was recruited as a guard. I don't care where you play him. He's my top offensive guard in this draft. I just think he is a different animal. He's not a power guy. He is for a zone blocking scheme. You know, he's a guy that's going to really excel at getting out to the second level, being, you know, pulling and trapping. I'm higher on Slater than you are. Do you have any any more overrated guys in this offensive line group? Um, uh, center, Trey Hill from Georgia. He's a junior, 6'4", 330. Um, has some snapping issues. Uh, needs to lose some weight. He was a four-star recruit, second-team All-SEC. He does get some good push in the run game. Needs to sustain blocks better in the pass game. Um, needs to work on his angles in the run blocking game, much more suited for a gap scheme. Also needs to sustain blocks better in the running game. So Trey Hill is one of my overrateds. Uh, let's, I guess let's move on to the underrated guys in this category. Well, I already talked about Liam Eikenberg, but another one I want to mention is Stone Forsyth, offensive tackle from Florida. He's a redshirt senior, 6'9". You heard me right, 6'9". 312 pounds, left tackle for the Florida Gators. I think he could be a left tackle at the next level. He's position flexible, three-star recruit out of high school. Decent hand fighter, very capable zone blocker. I like his body control and his physicality for his size. Very good pass blocker and good awareness pass blocking to pick up a new man. I'm going to go with uh, Stone Forsyth as my underrated. All right, one of my underrated guys I want to talk about is Larry Borum. He's from Missouri. He's a right tackle. He's very athletic. He's got quick feet. He's got a very good frame. He's got long arms, and he moves well. He does really well in pass pro. I guess I want to see him get more, be more physical as a run blocker, but in terms of pass protection, Larry Borum is just, he has no problem with those speed rushers out there. He just he shut them down. Keep an eye on him because I'm convinced that the Borum is going to go on day two somewhere. If we had the actual scouting combine, this guy was going to shine and show off his his athleticism. I'm I'm a big fan of, of that guy. And another underrated guy, Ed has already mentioned him. I'm, I'm a big fan of Jimmy Morrissey, the, the Pitts center. He's another guy to, to keep an eye on. Let's talk about a sleeper out of this. Well, there's a guy I've talked a little bit about. Um, Darion Parker, offensive guard from Mississippi State. He's a redshirt senior, 6'4", 355. Left guard for the Bulldogs, three-star recruit. I like the physicality he blocks with. Very good at pulling as a run blocker. He's a capable pass blocker. I like the effort he puts into pulling and being physical. I like how he gets his arms extended in pass blocking. Maybe he does sometimes need better awareness when pulling, but this is my sleeper. All right, I'll give you two from Stanford. Um, the One of them is left tackle Walker Little. A couple of years ago, people were putting him in the in the top five, top ten, and I thought that was too rich. 
I remember the Notre Dame game um, that he just he struggled against defensive linemen that are playing in the NFL right now. He struggled with his hand placement. You know, he gave up the inside move, just was oversetting and pass pro. I didn't like him. I was like, geez, this guy being talked about as a top 10 pick. But now nobody knows what you're getting. Walker Little is not being highly rated because he hasn't played. In 2019, he was injured. In 2020, he opted out. His grandfather played in the league. He has those NFL bloodlines. And you can't teach, like, size, quick feet, athleticism. He's got all those tools. He just he needs to get in there with a good offensive line coach. He just needs to clean up his, his technique. I think he is a player who definitely you should keep an eye on during day three. And another guy is Drew Dahlman, center for Stanford Cardinal. He holds up well at the point of attack. Excellent blocking when he gets out to the second level. Sustains his blocks. He has nasty to his game. He's a team captain. And his father played for the 49ers. He played offensive line for them for like seven years. Again, NFL bloodlines. It's really important. So keep an eye on him. And I wanted to mention a couple of more guys just really quickly. Those guys were at the Senior Bowl. Spencer Brown, the right right tackle out of Northern Iowa. Man, for a 6'9 guy, like 310, 315 pounds, he's so flexible. You Usually, like, those guys don't know how to bend. But because of his basketball background, Spencer Brown just looks like a, a natural in pass pro. And he was really good as a run blocker at the Senior Bowl. He was pushing guys, was playing with a different intensity. And I just love that, the tenacity, the toughness. Spencer Brown brought it. And another guy is Quinn Mainers. I play guard for the Wisconsin Whitewater. This guy brought a new fashion trend to the Senior Bowl, but um, he just ran like a 4.92 at his pro day. This kid is really athletic and um, he excelled on the Division Three level. And I remember Ali Marpet being drafted on day two by the Bucks. Well, I would say Mainers had an even better Senior Bowl than Ali Marpet. He deserves to be drafted somewhere on day two. I'm glad that he got a senior bowl invitation just because he's athletic and he's got quick feet and just I love what he brings to the table. And he didn't flinch at the senior bowl. He was one of the better standouts on the offensive line. Uh, how do you see this group overall? I mean, do you you like the tackles more than than the interior in this draft? Gosh, I, th- I think I like the, the uh, guards in this draft. Um, I think this is a good guard class. This is a very standard tackle class, maybe a little a little above average tackle class. Um, I don't think it's as good as last year. Centers, centers pretty par for the course. Um, I kind of feel like if you're going to go center first round, Creed Humphrey, and then there's kind of a drop off. I don't know if I'd go with a center on round two. You heard it here first. Uh, Ed gave a very extensive, in-depth look on the offensive line. He put in a lot of hours in the film room watching these guys, and I'm I'm impressed. You did Thanks. an excellent job. Thanks, man. Edward I appreciate Hunt. it. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Blitzcast. Take care, everyone.